your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Uh, We're talking today about stress eating or comfort eating. You know, you got to wonder how to stop eating emotionally. You know, emotional eating which is basically called either stress eating or comfort eating, it's, it's really hard to control, partly because we have no control over its biological determinants, like in our genes. But, but there, you know, there's other factors, ones that are easier to modify, you know, and, and some of them are of better importance to the emotional eating. And there's other determinants that cause emotional eating, too. There's the psychological, there's situational, there's restrained eating, and then there's a stress level. But you have to wonder, what is the actual definition of emotional eating? And it refers to basically the eating of food for the purpose of regulating your own emotional states. So eating, you know, palatable foods, commonly foods that are sweet or fatty or high in carbohydrates, may improve our mood for just a short while. But that short-lived comfort comes at a cost of weight gain and other health issues that come from weight gain, like not being able to exercise as as vigorously as we would want to or having your body carry carry more weight than it's possible for your body to carry which causes all kinds of other things like heart disease and diabetes and crazy stuff like that but stress is only one potential cause of emotional eating you know uh, there there's basically other classes of emotional eating there's one it's called the situational determinants of emotional eating, and th- those are current circumstances, basically situations uh, that influence your eating behaviors. You know, uh, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, very commonly those are situational uh, times when people overconsume their food. But there, there's also hunger and stress that are factors involved in situational eating. You know, when people are under a lot of stress, If it's related to work or school or relational problems, family problems, financial problems, you know, they're more prone to stress eat. And why? Perhaps because they associate feelings of stress with sensations of hunger. In addition, you know, emotional eating is associated with sensations of hunger. These sensations are influenced by normal hunger, like uh, energy deficiency, and then there's uh, urges and feelings and thoughts, which is called hedonic. And, and that's the kind of food eating, and it's often about about food. And then there's the psychological uh, factors about emotional eating. You know, the psychological determinants are basically your personality uh, related to motivation and self-regulation. And a lot of people don't have self-regulation. They don't have restraint. You know, restrained eating refers to the restriction or and monitoring of what you eat. But restrained eaters think about food constantly, which may be why they're more likely to eat emotionally when feeling unhappy or stressed. And then there's this impulsiveness that people have, and that's the tendency to act without thinking. And that impulsive people do, don't really consider the unhealthy consequences of their unhealthy food consumption. And then they, some people look at it as a reward, 
you know, uh, they have this reward sensitivity, which is basically the degree that a person is responsive towards rewards of behavior. For instance, some people are more responsive to the mood uh, lifting properties of junk food and comfort food. Uh, a lot of people will go on uh, vacation and just binge, binge, binge and eat all kinds of crazy stuff. And then they can't even wear what they took. Um, and then there's this uh, cognitive aspects, which is related next to your thought-based aspects. And that's related to how you evaluate an emotionally illicit situation. So emotional eaters are less likely to use you know, uh, cognitive reprisal. For instance, a distress eater can only look back at the unsuccessful interview as a humiliating failure, not as a valuable lesson and e- or even an interesting adventure. And it's a great thing to have failure in our life. We learn from it. And it's so important to embrace that. And then there's also biological, and that's the most obvious. And that's associated with eating emotionally as a weight status. You know, uh, compared to normal weight people, overweight individuals are more likely to overeat after experiencing bad feelings. Uh, and that's often about themselves. Um, and and, and uh, these these intense feelings uh, and the the reasons aren't clear that they're there, although some research has indicated being overweight is associated with greater sensitivity to your emotions. You know, another determinant is is your sex. You know, compared to men, women, partly due to their biological dispositions, which is hormonal changes, are more prone to experiencing intense feelings. And that may be why women are more likely than men to use eating as a way to regulate food. You know, oftentimes it's associated from a psychological perspective that uh, many women, if they've been molested or raped or whatever, if there's some kind of sexual trauma in their life, um, basically what happens is as a child, they don't feel like they have a way to protect themselves. So they either have, you know, in capricious or in uresis, like pooping your pants, peeing your pants. Um, but also overeating. They will overeat so their body won't uh, be as attractive to predators. And so that's a way to protect themselves. You know, overeating or eating junk food is not only uh, the only response to negative emotions. You know, certainly not everyone or at all times. Some people eat less when they're stressed. So what determines who eats emotionally when when? Well, that, that's basically uh, there's been studies about that all over the place. But, uh, you know, the results often show that only the, only the stress level and the restrained eating were significantly related to emotional eating. You know, so when stress is high, there's a negative mood and it's more strongly linked to making unhealthy food choices. You know, some people use food as a way to celebrate. And so they'll, they'll uh, have unhealthy food to celebrate something or to gather together because they know people will want the junk food rather than eat good food. And so they gather together in those kind of situations and they feel good about it because other people are doing the same thing as they are. You know, high, high restrained eating is associated with an increased likelihood of choosing an unhealthy granola bar in the negative, uh, or, you know, if there's a bad mood condition to make us feel better. But how do you want to control stress eating? And that's the big deal. You know, if you're, if you're somebody that likes to restrain your eating, anticipating situations that may cause conflict between your healthy food choices might be a good idea. 
you know, anticipating ahead and making plans uh, for what would be a conflicting situation that would raise your emotions is probably a good idea so that you don't find yourself being traumatized and then trying to find comfort in food. You know, uh, um, you know, while you're shopping, it's really important to be mindful to try to anticipate that if you buy unhealthy food, Later at home, you'll experience a conflict between choosing healthy food and tempting foods. And to avoid the conflict, you you may then reason it is best to limit how much unhealthy foods you purchase. And that's a wise decision. It's also important to avoid shopping when you feel stressed. To reduce your exposure to high-stress situations while shopping, like stores with narrow aisles, times when stores are overcrowded, like Costco, you know, those kind of places, uh, we tend to pick up more than what we need because we're stressed out in a shopping situation. You know, also don't go when you're hungry because you're also going to likely buy a bunch of junk. But you need to learn how to manage stress more effectively, you know, by learning time management, by problem solving, conflict resolution, being mindful of what you're taking in, you know, and, and the study, you know, the, if you look at people as we get older, it's really harder to keep your body in great shape. Not that some people uh, can't are, are naturals at keeping themselves in shape. But as you get older, your body is going to store fat just to protect you. And, and it's important to understand that it's really hard to get that stuff off when you're old um, and because we don't move as fast and we don't exercise as much. And even if we do, it's probably not as rigorous as it would have been when we were younger. But, you know, there's a lot of suggestions for controlling emotional eating, which is managing our stress and thinking and planning ahead. So, you know, so don't shop when you're hungry or you're stressed or when the store is crowded. Just like I said before, anticipate having uh, unhealthy food at home may may affect your food choices later. So when you're hungry and you're stressed, you don't have the willpower to resist those fatty, salty, uh, chocolatey temptations. Thank God I'm not got a sweet tooth. But, you know, most people think of emotionally upset as the cause of food problems, you know. Thinking is when, like, when our boss yells at us or we experience romantic rejection or our children are too rambunctious, the anger, the loneliness, the sadness, the anxiety is too much for us to bear. And we seek comfort food to escape. You know, a lot of people have a terrible uh, disposition about their body. And, uh, you know, they they don't want to accept how their body is. And what's important to understand is that is a stress causer. When you have a bad view of yourself and your body, what's going to happen is your disposition towards your body is going to be unacceptable, which means that you're in an unacceptable situation 24 by 7. Therefore, you're driving a lot of stress. And what are you going to do? You're going to add more fat to the body. Because you're stressed out and you're an emotional eater. You know, sometimes early childhood memories uh, uh, set up the pattern. Other times the fingers pointed at the the concentrations of stark or sugar fat or salt, um, you know, which is uh, basically it's excitatins that are pumped out by the big food industry and the power of advertising industry to program us in the manner without our knowledge Either way, most people seem to believe emotionally upset causes overeating. Naturally, with kids, food is a big, big incentive. And yes, if you feed them the wrong foods, that's going to stay with them their whole life because they're going to want to have that kind of comfort. 
their whole life. They find it as a comfort. So if we have a very stressed out home, there's a real good chance we're going to have stressed out overeating of bad food in our children's lives. Kids these days are getting diabetes, which is amazing. You know, um, one of the primary principles, uh, you know, uh, of looking at, at restricting your nutrition, restricting your, excuse me, your calories, and, and, and really being mindful of your, your nutrition is that you begin to develop some kind of philosophy or formula or ritual about what you eat. People that plan their menus have a much better shot at having a better diet than people that just make it up as they go. Unfortunately, folks, I'm one of those. I make it up as I go. I decide on the day because I do all the, most of the cooking of dinner and uh, make the decision early on in the day, which is not always the best idea. You know, so, you know, I, I, I'm not taking my own advice, which I need to uh, do that. So, you know, the de- desire to escape food or the justification or the overeating, this is something that uh, we tend to not really look at. We tend to go into some kind of uh, disassociation, you know, of, of and denial that we have a problem. You know, and and this can lead to enormous health problems down the road. And I think all of us know that when we go and get a health check and find out that we're 20 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 100 pounds overweight. And that just adds another stack of stress to our lives. You know, it's important that we do something about it. And that means that we don't make food a powerful thing that we eat to live. We don't live to eat. A lot of people live to eat. You know, like if we go through something like a heartbreak, you know, it's important to understand that we don't just turn to food to make ourselves feel better. You know, it's really important to find something healthy to do, like exercise, like take care of yourself or develop a new friendship with someone. You know, go back out there. Don't just hang your hat on this person that's rejected you and, and leave it there and give them all the power in your life. You need to create more a better way of going with more power to you. You know, it, it's a lot simpler, faster, and easier to disempower the voice of justification to eat more than to teach people alternative coping skills for emotion. You know, focusing on what's wrong with the logic or the justification might not make you feel better, but it can stop the destructive behavior faster. You know, it, 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 it might help the, the, a, a person to understand that it actually isn't just as easy to start again tomorrow because the way the brain works is when you have a craving and indulge the craving, you've actually reinforced the habit and created an even stronger neurological link to eating bad food. And it's harder to start tomorrow, not the same if you're in a hole, stop digging. And that sounds like common sense and that sounds real easy to do. But for some people, that's just not easy to do. Sometimes it takes an epiphany like a heart attack or, 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 or diabetes or something like that to make you understand that you are contributing to your own death by eating yourself to death. You know, some people uh, live a suicidal lifestyle and food can be a suicidal lifestyle for many people. You know, people tend to t- turn down their clock in one way or another by the stuff that they take into their body, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or overeating. There's all kinds of things that people do to themselves where they're not really openly saying I'm committing suicide, but actually in their behavior, that's exactly what they're doing. And and there's a, another 
part of things to look at that almost nobody realizes it, it works in reverse. You know, the belief uh, about emotional upset may be dealt with before we can stop overeating and then the fuel the emotional upset even more. So we eat and, and, and we f- maybe think we feel better about ourselves and all of a sudden we have a craving to eat again and because we feel bad about ourselves with the afterthought of what we've eaten. I know it sounds crazy, folks, but a lot of this is in your mind. And, you know, uh, some people have said that, that, you know, your thoughts are what come between us and God. You know, the fact is, we tend to identify ourselves with our brain and what we think. But the fact is, we also have a soul which has a purpose. And if we align our soul and our purpose in our life, we have a tendency to do away with things that are unhealthy in our lives. If we actually have a passion and a purpose, a lot of people spend a lot less time focusing on food. The other thing is, is don't put yourself in the vicinity of food all the time. You know, it's important to kind of stay away from that aspect so you're not sitting in the kitchen all day um, and, and tempting yourself to hit the fridge every every time you feel stressed out or have a thought. You know, it's kind of crazy to do that to yourself, but a lot of people do. A lot of people do. All right, think about it. If your brain knows you're going to eat really good comfort food, if you get upset enough, it doesn't, doesn't it make sense to do everything in your power to upset you more? Of course it does. Your body's going to upset you because it knows that's what it's going to take to get more food. And if you believe you overeat for automatic emotional reasons, your brain may very well agitate and escalate your emotions just to create the opportunity. Because once again, you know, hunger has a tendency to correlate itself with stress. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk more about this emotional eating thing and what we can do about it. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about emotional eating, comfort eating, stress eating, whatever you want to call it. But you know what? It's crazy because this last year has been detrimental to the health of so many people because they're stuck in their house and they're eating like crazy amounts of food and gaining weight. And a lot of people are getting used to wearing elastic pants because they're wearing their pajamas and they're not mindful of since they haven't put their pants on probably in a year they're probably not too mindful of what they wear currently and so you know it's pretty amazing um what you know being isolated in your home can do to a person we really still need to find a way to be active as people and that's kind of hard to do in this kind of situation, but the bottom line is you don't want to die from overeating and you don't want all the symptoms that come with it and you don't want all the health issues that come with it and you don't want to be walking around with your knees breaking because it can't hold your body up. You know, it's critical to let that inner destructive voice know you're willing to deal with any level of emotional discomfort without breaking your healthy commitments. When you sever the connection between emotionally upset and overeating, you also cut a major fuel line that the emotionally upset runs on in the first place. You know, a funny thing might happen. You may find you weren't quite as upset as you thought you were. And yes, you may have real sadness and real anger, real stress, loneliness, anxiety, fear to deal with, but often not nearly as bad as you thought. You know, it's an amazing thing. We cannot control a lot of things in our life that happen to us. What we can control is what we think. And that's the one thing that it takes to stop. You know, people that overeat really do understand that other people that see them view them as somebody that doesn't have good restraint. And it's sad to say that, but that's the truth. And so it affects you. It affects how, how what work you can get. It affects how people view your life. It affects how you view your life. It's important for us to have some degree of restraint in this life so that we can live a healthy way. And isn't every emotion infinitely more manageable when you're in control of your eating versus filled with junk food and having to recover from the bloat and the calories? You know, it's. I'm not saying let's not be compassionate towards ourselves and other people that have that issue. But if you, you know, you've got to be a person that loves yourself. And when you love yourself, other people will love you because that's what they want in their life. You know, emotionally overeating is not as simple as an automated comforting escape reaction to upsetting feelings. But there are intervening thoughts that justify uh, 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 you know, going back to a healthy diet and having healthy commitments. And these thoughts may be a lot easier and faster to disempower than learning alternative coping skills and solving emotional problems. You know, moreover, overeating may actually agitate and reinforce difficult emotions in the near term and not numb them. So a lot of people tend to believe that that's what they do, but they don't. They don't numb them. They make them worse. You know, we bring food to friends and family to show our care and concern. We make our children uh, 
have their favorite foods to, uh, to show our love for them. We celebrate happy moments with special meal. We give chocolates to the people we love. We express our adoration. We choose foods such as mac and cheese or creamy pot pie when we want a cozy, comforting experience. But, you know, food is inextricably linked to our feelings. And after all, uh, we are very emotional beings, though some people act, like to think they're robots. You know, it's no wonder that we're emotional eaters. You know, as soon as we're born, we're given milk by our mother, and the connection between food and love is all of a sudden created. And and that's perfectly normal. But these days, when we talk about emotional eating, it's because we have become emotionally dependent on unwanted habits, such as binging, chronic dieting, body hating, self-negative talk, you know, compulsive overeating. And when we use food as our primary way of coping and managing our feelings, like like eating our feelings instead of feeling them. But the answer to those issues is not to cut ourselves off from feeling, but instead it indicates the need for a supportive, attentive relationship with food in order to foster our overall well-being. You know, it's, it's important to understand that instead of saying, oh, you know, uh, um, I'm stressed out or saying I'm not feeling good, and then all of a sudden thinking I solved that through eating – we really need to break that pattern. You know, these days when we talk about emotional overeating, it's because we've become emotionally dependent on unwanted habits such as binging, chronic dieting, body hating, on all that kind of stuff that I talked about before. You know, but it's important. It's important to be constructive. You know, start start a, a food and mood journal. You know, keep a journal of your emotional state in conjunction with the foods we choose. This brings a lot of awareness to what feelings tend to have us reaching for food. Awareness of our emotional eating patterns is the first step to being able to shift them. Also, create a list of what we need and, and what we desire and, and what we long for. And it's a powerful intervention for emotional eating. For some of us, food can be a substitute for our unmet needs. And when we acknowledge our needs and we write them down and we see them clearly on a page and validate them as worthy, then we have a better chance of finding ways to meet our needs instead of using food as a substitute to fill our yearnings. Also, creating a regular, conscious, slow-breathing meditation or mindfulness helps us to become more connected to our physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies. Now we can kind of see the thoughts as they pass by. When you're mindful, you can actually view your thoughts, view your images as if you're separate from them, and it gives you a chance to understand what goes through your brain and what drives you as a human being. And I can't tell you how valuable that is. But breathing and meditation also have a direct impact on our nervous system, and they shift us into a, a parasympathetic synthetic nervous system activation so our our relaxation response when that kicks in we have more restraint on ourselves and when we're much more able to listen to the true hungry or the full messages in the body when we're relaxed we're no longer in the grips of stress eating and that's really important to understand it's clearly important to understand a lot of people are full way before they stop eating and they have trouble because their parents told them to always clean their plates or whatever. But what's more important is only take what you need. Know when you get full and make sure your portions are to what it takes to get you to be full. And that's all you need. That may save you a ton of money at the grocery store, by the way.
you know, slow down and eat with pleasure. A lot of people gulf it down, especially kids. They just shove it in their mouths. You know, uh, eating what we love in a relaxed manner that allows us to savor our food activates our relaxation response. So if we're not huffing it down really quick and we're actually relaxed and taking our time to eat, it brings us into our body, into the present moment. And it invites us into a conscious relationship with our food and a conscious relationship to when we are full. Slow down. Slow down when you're eating. It's a big deal. And the more conscious, awake, and attentive we can be to our body and our emotions, the more we're able to respond to what we need. And when we can honestly listen to our feelings and the needs that they express, then we could feed them the nourishment they truly need, such as love, spiritual connection, inner peace, true expression. Those things are golden. And when we feed ourselves deep soul nourishment, we are less inclined to use food as an effective substitute. And it's really vital for us to embrace the fact that we are emotional eaters and to use our unwanted eating habits that may arise from our feelings as a doorway to learn about our deeper needs and emotions. Foods and feelings are always a gateway to getting to know ourselves on a deeper level, which leads us to a wonderful opportunity to grow and evolve. Just focusing on that relationship you have with food can teach you to be mindful because now you're taking in what am I really eating and why am I eating it and when am I really full and if you're in that relaxed state you have so much more control over what's happening sometimes the strongest food cravings hit when you're at your weakest point emotionally and you may turn to food for comfort consciously unconsciously whatever but When you're facing a difficult problem, feeling stressed or even feeling bored, which boredom is our own worst enemy because people create fear when they're bored. They get in their head. They get ahead of themselves. They start predicting negative things to happen. They live in their fears. They stress themselves out, and then they go find food as comfort. You know, (laughs) emotional eating is a way to oppress or soothe negative emotions, um, and, and, and you know, emotional eating can sabotage your weight loss efforts. It often leads to eating too much, especially if you drink and eat at the same time, drink alcohol, you know, especially too much of a high calorie uh, sweet or a fatty food. The good news is that you're prone to eating emotionally. You can take steps to regain control of those habits. You know, and and that suppressing of those negative emotions like stress and anger, boredom, sadness, loneliness, major life events or more commonly, basically the hassles of just living a daily life can trigger negative emotions that lead to emotional eating and disrupt your weight loss efforts. And those triggers you need to be conscious of. Number one is relationship conflicts. That's a big deal. Work or other stressors, fatigue financial pressures, health problems, or all of the above. You know, although some people eat less in the face of strong emotions, if you're emotionally distressed, you might turn to impulsive or binge eating quickly, consuming whatever's convenient without enjoyment. You know, oftentimes people will eat crap and don't enjoy it. It's amazing. In fact, your emotions can become so tied to your eating habits that you automatically reach for a treat Wherever you're angry or whenever you're stressed without thinking about what you're doing. 
And so food also serves as a distraction. And if you're worried about an upcoming event or you're stewing over a conflict or you focus on eating comfort food instead of dealing with painful situation, whatever emotions drive you to overeat, the end result is often the same. The fact is temporary, the emotion, but, the, but the weight gain isn't. And the emotions return, and you likely then bear the additional burden of, of guilt about setting back your weight loss. And this can also lead to an unhealthy cycle. You, you know, your emotions trigger you to overeat. You're, you, you beat yourself up for getting off your weight loss track, and you feel bad, and you overeat again because that's how you feel. And that sucks. And this is a major battle that all of us must fight within ourselves as human beings. You know, how do you get back on track? When negative emotions threaten to trigger your emotional eating, you, you really can do some things. Like, w- once again, I, I, I talked about it earlier. Keep a food diary. Write down what you eat, how much you eat, when you eat, how you're feeling when you eat, how hungry are you. Over time, you might see patterns that reveal the connection between mood and food. The other thing is to tame your stress. You know, Give it to God. If you're, if you're a Christian, give it to God. You know, we are not meant to live in fear. We are not meant to live within our emotions. And a lot of people, and you can hear emotional people, they say, I feel, I feel, I feel. They don't think, they don't say, I think, I think, I think. They say, I feel, I feel, I feel. And what they don't realize is it's really hard for people to respect what they're saying because they're only communicating what they feel rather than what they think. And your thoughts should be running the show, folks. And that's called depression. When your thoughts aren't running the show and your emotions are, that is usually tied to both anxiety and depression within a human being. And sadly, we seek that comfort, and that comfort just makes us feel worse and worse. You know, if you can tame your stress, if stress contributes to your emotional eating, try a stress management technique like yoga or meditation or prayer or deep breathing. You know, we are supposed to live in faith. Everything we do, like going on a diet, getting in a relationship, buying a new car, having a child, taking a new job. These are all leaps of faith. We don't have all the answers on the backside. But what we do have is the leap of faith and the excitement of the of the process of getting to have uh, that new job and getting that new car and enjoying that new car and putting that thing in situations and putting yourself in situations that you may not have put yourself in before and then working your way through it. That's life, folks. That's the fun part of living. But a lot of people, instead of doing that, will do whatever it is to try to make themselves feel better and not take a leap of faith and just sit in fear and use food as their comfort. You know, you need to have a hunger reality check. If your hunger is physical or emotional, or if you ate just a few hours ago and don't have a rumbling stomach, you're probably not hungry. So give the craving time to pass. It's amazing, though. You know, some people just think, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Well, no, the same signal is I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And so are you stressed or are you hungry? You know, get support. If you're more likely to give in to emotional eating, if you lack a good support network, lean on family, friends, you know, maybe a support group, maybe Weight Watchers or something like that that has a system in place to try to see if they can help you and give you some support around the problem. The other thing, the big deal, and it's a huge deal, is if you don't want to be an emotional eater, a comfort eater, you need to fight boredom. You know, bored people are boring. 
you know, instead of snacking when you're not hungry, distract yourself and substitute a, a healthier behavior. Take a walk. Walk a, you know, watch a movie, play with your dog, play with your cat, listen to music, you know, read, surf the internet, call a friend, do something else. Don't do what's easiest. We are lazy, lazy, lazy people, and we have a tendency to do what's easiest. No, do something that's good for you. You know, anything hard makes your life easier. So do hard. Do, lo- do hard and your life will become easier. Is that amazing or what? You know, take away temptations also. You know, you didn't, don't keep hard to resist comfort foods in your home. And if you feel angry or blue or sad, postpone your trip to the grocery store until you've had your emotions in check. You don't want to go. Then that's going to cost you a fortune. You know, don't deprive yourself also. When trying to, to lose weight, you might limit calories too much, eat the same foods repeatedly, and then banish treats. And this may just serve to increase your food cravings, especially in response to emotions. So eat satisfying amounts of healthier foods and enjoy an occasional treat and get plenty of variety to help curb your cravings. You know, snack healthy if, you, if you're a snacker. You know, if you need to eat between meals, it doesn't hurt. You know, it's great. Some people can lose a lot of weight by eating little small meals throughout the day. You know, if you feel the urge to eat between meals, choose a healthy snack like fruit, vegetable. I know it sounds like your mother or your father or whatever, but listen, it's common sense. You know, use if you're going to use a dip, use something that's low fat. Eat nuts unbuttered popcorn or try you know calorie low calorie versions of your favorite foods to see if they satisfy your craving but you know it's it's huge folks it's huge you know learn from your setbacks if we're going to have a setback learn from it don't sit there and guilt yourself out and shame yourself move on make better choices in the future and if you can't Seek some professional help to see what can be done to help you. And don't be too prideful to do that because it's important. All right, we're going to do a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about the psychology of food cravings. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about comfort eating, emotional eating, stress eating. You know, humans are only motivated by feelings. There's basically three types of feelings. There's pleasant, there's neutral, and there's unpleasant. And the motivation we get from unpleasant feeling is to move towards a feeling we do not have but want. And so we move away from the unpleasant feeling by replacing it with a different pleasant or neutral feeling. So hunger is an unpleasant sensation for a lot of people, and it's relieved by the pleasant sensation for most people of eating and the taste of food. But like other basic functions, this is also what we do to survive. And believe it or not, when people are stressed out, oftentimes they go into fight or flight. Well, what is fight or flight? That means you got it. your body's got to prepare itself for survival. So what is it going to do instinctually? We're going to pack on the weight. We're going to pack on foods. We're going to eat as much as we can because we may not be able to eat down the road. Very primitive caveman, back to the really basic parts of being a human being, but the, you know, the history of being a human being, but it hasn't gone away. It's in our genes. You know, uh, many people eat not because they need nutrition, because they feel this unpleasant emotion like rejection, loneliness, distress, depression, fear, betrayal, worthlessness, uh, defeat, helplessness, hopelessness. This emotional overconsumption of food usually leads to a fat gain and other health problems. And this can create a, a really vicious cycle uh, of more emotional eating to manage the emotional consequences of becoming overweight and unhealthy. And for children, excessive eating and binging are often a consequence of boredom and hab- habit behaviors. You know, food or, or drinks are, are used to relieve the monotony. They can also be used as a coping strategy to deal with problems arising from anxiety, maybe about school or about their, their siblings, depression, stress, and conflicts. Although they may uh, feel comforted after consuming an amount of food, a, p- a person's not dealt with the underlying cause of the problem. And this sets up a reward cycle of using food to get a better feeling. And consequently, there's no reason why they will not uh, reoccur in the future. This is how our brain trains us. And this can become a vicious cycle. And if a parent deals with their own emotional issues by eating or overeating, it's highly probable that the kid will do the same thing. And this pattern of coping is being modeled. And parents often find it difficult to tolerate their child's disappointment or pain, and they're motivated to take it away. So if food is used regularly as a means of doing this, for example, never mind not getting invited to a chocolate sundae, you know, a parent can be setting up a cycle of soothing, uncomfortable feelings with the pleasure of food. And this, again, can set up a pattern of eating to manage feelings. 
And this is particularly a problem when there's no real discussion of the child's pain or disappointment, and instead food is just offered. You know, this is how we get trained, folks, and we have to take responsibility for our own lives. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't. You know, when you stop eating to the response to your emotions, you want to give yourself some answers. Give yourself some insight. When I stop eating in response to my emotions, I'll be able to buy clothes off the rack in the shops. I'll be able to be happy. I'll be able to, uh, 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 I won't be uncomfortable in my clothes anymore. I'll be able to throw away my fat clothes. You probably notice these patterns. You know, moving towards pleasurable outcomes or away from a negative one affects how we think, feel, and behave. And so you might find that you have a combination of moving towards uh, some outcomes and away from others. And that's okay. Motivation can really be shown to exist either as an internal characteristic or as an external factor in people in general. Well, you know, the fact is, motivation is by trying to find an emotion that will be productive. For instance, if you're deciding to become a medical doctor, maybe the idea that you're going to help people's lives in very critical situations might be your motivating factor. That would be an emotional response to becoming a doctor that you're seeking as a doctor throughout the course of your life. And it may be very gratifying for a human being. That should be the emotion because that's the smart one. All the other ones, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have this big home. Uh, I'm going to have everything I need in life. I'm going to have great vacations because I'm a doctor. I make all this money. That's the wrong motivation. The motivation needs to be external towards what you're going to do with it and are you passionate about it and do you really want to help other people. That's a big deal. External motivation is an external influence or stimuli to generate positive behavior, not only in yourself, but other people. And in the end, it may give you money. It may give you tangible recognition, may give you incentives, it may give you vacations, it may give you a new home, a new way of living. But the bottom line is extrinsic motivations are much better than intrinsic because they have purpose and passion. And that's what we need in this life. You know, you may have already noticed that exercise, no matter how many personal trainers you hire, how many motivational exercise uh, things you play or classes you attend, eventually you lose interest and go back to your old behavior. This is because we don't have an external motivation that if I have a better body, if I have better health, I can be a better parent and I can be more active with my children instead of sitting on my butt at the park and watching them play, you know? You, When you spend your life about food, you are restricting an enormous amount of choices that you can make for yourself. You're, you're also ignoring enormous amounts of opportunities that you could take if you were healthy. And it's sad, but a lot of people live that way. So it's important to understand what is driving your eating. You know, if you suffer from cr- uh, food cravings, when you're having that a strong feeling, a strong emotion – Match it up. If you have to eat, eat something healthy. You know, you know. If you have anger and annoyance, and that that comes around, and you eat to comfort yourself, and you know, many people are, are really afraid to change their shape because this has helped them hide or protect them from hurt or intimacy. Many have tried to change their body shape, so so many times uh, they do that to believe that they can succeed or feeling 
un- undeserving of success because they're having a deeper sense of unworthiness and their body will represent that to them. You know, that take your body where it's at, not and accept it where it is today at this moment. Where is your body? Just accept it. Make peace with it and then do something about it if you need to change. Do something about it, but make peace with it first. And then find a motivator of what it's going to buy you. So, you know, for me to try to stay in shape, which I'm not in great shape, I'm pretty good shape, but not great. If if I were to be someone that uh, to 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 control that, my external factor is my son and my daughter. I want to be around for them. I'm old, and they're young. And I need to be here and I need to be active and I need to be in their lives and I need to be doing things. And it's important to do that. It's important. And so that is the reason that I try to stay at least healthy, not buff. I'm definitely not buff, but I'm healthy. And that's important. You know, uh, uh, depression and boredom and loneliness, anger, anxiety, frustration, all these things can run your life if you want them to. And all these things can lead you to seek comfort in one way or another. You know, uh, uh, um, there's a lot of people that will starve themselves and then then all of a sudden they eat and then they, they're kind of yo-yo dieters. They'll eat like a horse after they've starved themselves and basically their body says, hey, I haven't had food in a long time. So guess what? It doesn't dispose of the food. What it does is it stores it as fat. You know, addictive or disassociated binge eating is a process of self-medicating or self-soothing, and we do that. There's also social eating when you're around other people. You know, a lot of excess eating can result from being encouraged by others to eat. You know, eating and to fit in or arguing or feelings of inadequacy around other people. Also, emotional eating is, is a response to boredom and all those other emotions that we've talked about earlier. And, and so, you know... We have to look at our thoughts. Eating is a result of negative self-worth or making excuses for eating. It's like you're scolding yourself for looks or lack of willpower. That's not a way to do it, to self-harm. It's ridiculous. And also, we have this physiological aspect of eating in response to physical cues, uh, like uh, uh, skipping meals or eating to cure headaches or other pain. You know, the, you got to ask yourself, when was the last time you, you were at your goal, weight, and shape? And what has happened at that time that got you there? That's a big deal. What are your attitudes about overweight people? You know, what were the attitudes of important others uh, 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 about overweight people in your life? What were their thoughts? What patterns exist in your family about food? Was it used to show love or, or as punishment? And what statements do you say to yourself that are self-defeating, hurtful, or holding you back from getting what you want? It's in my genes. I've never been slim. I've always been fat. I'm the fatty, funny, fat, funny one. I, I, if I let anyone get close to me, they will hurt me. My friends and family won't like me anymore. People that gain weight oftentimes find themselves in a paranoid state. You know, it's useful to ask yourself, what are the benefits of staying overweight? What do you have to give up to achieve a goal that's healthy? And do you use food as your main reward either for yourself or your kids? It'd be nice if people could find a shift in what they think about instead of food to be something productive in their life that can help others. And if they do something hard that other people can't do, do that and be passionate. But don't let food get in the way. Let it be what supports you. You know, people who emotionally uh, reach for food several times a week or more to suppress and soothe negative feelings, 
They may even feel guilt or shame after eating, and that leads to that cycle of weight gain. You know, uh, why food? Why? You know, negative emotions lead to the feeling of emptiness or an emotional void. So food is believed to be a way to fill the void and create a false feeling of fullness and temporary wholeness. And so it's, it's kind of amazing uh, how we tend to do that to ourselves. You know, it's uh, understanding the difference between physical and emotional hunger is a huge, big deal. And using negative self-talk that related to binging episodes can create a cycle of emotional eating. We don't want to do that. And then we change our cortisol levels in response to stress, which leads to cravings. And those cravings make us feel like we're hungry, but we're actually just fearing and needing to survive. You know, physical hunger takes a long time. It's slow, and you desire a variety of food groups, and you feel the sensation of fullness, and you take it as a cue to stop eating, and you have no negative feelings about eating if you only focus on physical hunger. If you focus on emotional hunger, it comes about suddenly, it's abrupt, you crave only certain foods, you binge on food, and and you don't feel the sensation of fullness, and you feel guilt or shame about eating. And that's not a good way to live. Physical and emotional hunger may be easily confused, but there are key differences between them. You know, uh, emotional hunger isn't easily quelled by eating. When While filling up may work in the moment, eating because of negative emotions often leaves uh, people feeling more upset. And so the cycle typically doesn't end until a person addresses emotional needs head on. You know, find other ways to cope. Discover another way to deal with negative emotions. And that's often the first step. This can be writing in a journal, reading a book, finding a few minutes of, uh, of exercise or relaxation. You know, it takes time to shift your mindset from reading, reaching for food to engage in other forms of stress. So experiment with a variety of activities to find out what works for you. Move your body. Some people find relief just getting exercise. Exercise can do enormous amounts of things for you, especially in your brain. Your brain, if it's cardio, gets some of the best uh, uh, time of day that it could possibly have. It gives it all the great factors that the brain needs to think clearly and succinctly and focus. You know, we talk about meditation Take it serious. Try to learn it. I know it's kind of ethereal, but the bottom line is being mindful gives you a lot more control of your life. And so, you know, if if you can't, make sure you seek help. Make sure you seek someone that can assist you. And don't have distractions. You know, if you eat in front of the television or the computer or some other distraction, try switching off the television. Put down your phone. And next time you find yourself in the pattern, by focusing on food And the bites you take and the level of hunger, you may discover that you're eating emotionally, especially if we're in front of the television watching a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Okay, that's our show. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that in voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, you know you are a stress eater when your happy place is the refrigerator. (laughs) Also, comfort eating is all fun and games until your pants don't fit. And an apple a day keeps anyone away if you throw it hard enough. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back. 